Tuesday, January 9, 2018. This is Born the Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Timothy Lawson. This is continuing the week of the student veteran. Yesterday, we talked to Student Veterans of America President Jared Lyon about the National Conference supporting the chapters, what chapters can do to continue their momentum coming out of the conference. Today, tomorrow, and Thursday, I will be releasing uh, interviews probably at two or three at a time um, of Student Veteran of the Year finalists. And then Friday, we'll, we'll hear from the gentleman that won Student Veteran of the Year. So today we are going to talk with Aaron Slatten, who is a Marine Corps veteran and attends the Indiana Institute of Technology. Kirsten Batachio, who is a, also a Marine Corps veteran attending the Manhattan College in the Bronx. I'd speak to both of these veterans about their military service, their experience on campus, their best practices for outreach, and their accomplishments and challenges as chapter leader. Enjoy. It's time we all thought differently about homeless veterans. I never thought of myself as a veteran, even though I served in the military. Because when we know who our veterans are, I never thought of myself as being at risk for homelessness, even though I lost my job and couldn't pay my mortgage anymore. When we understand how easily anyone can become homeless. I never thought of hiring a veteran, even though I was looking for someone with leadership skills and training. When we realize how valuable our veterans are and how we can each make a difference in their lives. I never thought the VA benefits I'd earned included services for homeless veterans. And when we understand that VA is here to help, we can end veteran homelessness. I never thought my life could turn around from being homeless to having safe housing and a job until I turned to the VA. If you know of or are a veteran who is homeless or at risk for becoming homeless, contact the nearest VA Medical Center for support at va.gov homeless or 877-424-3838. You know, we start every interview with what every veteran has in common, and that's deciding to join the, the military. Bring us back to the, that decision for you. Uh, yeah, for me, I was actually, um, right after high school, I went into college, um, so I actually started pursuing an engineering degree. Um, I had some friends that I met up with and we kind of went down the wrong path as far as drinking and getting in trouble. And I think, I've heard a lot of stories. I feel like a lot of people get in trouble and then uh, there's a decision point that needs to be made. Um, for me, I was actually at home on my couch one day and my mom came in and she said, you know, what are you doing? Like you, the college, like, yeah, you're going for an engineering degree, but what do you really want to do? You know, have you ever considered the military? Because um, she was in the Air Force um, for four years previously, which I actually didn't know until that point in my no life. No kidding. So that wow. was that was pretty crazy. That's quite so, the reveal. Yeah, it was it was a shocker to me, but at the same time, it was kind of a revelation. Like, well, I mean, why don't I give it a shot? I've never really considered it. Um, so I went around to the recruiting offices and um, went to the Air Force first. Um, then eventually, after some talks with some of my buddies who went in before me and were Marines while I was uh, going through my first couple of years of college there. Um, I went into the Marine office and uh, I just kicked it off with the recruiter that I was talking with and everything just kind of went. That's back. awesome. Yeah. So the name of the program is Born the Battle and we know not every veteran saw combat, like little or combat, but uh, um, we know that um, Many of us experienced some sort of sacrifice or adversity while we were in. Tell us about a challenge or difficulty that you had while you were in the service and how you dealt with it. Yeah, um, 
I mean, we can just go with deployment. Uh, it yeah. was it was tough, but it was probably one of the best best times of my life. Um, some of those guys, I mean, I talk to every single day. Um, so for me, I was deployed to Afghanistan uh, in 2012 for the OEF-2. And just the everyday struggles there. Um, our schedule is obviously running all day long. We have to support all the bases. Uh, so my, I guess my MOS would be helpful here. Uh, I was a motor transportation operator. Okay. So we traveled all over. So I was yeah. mostly Southern Helmet Province. Um, so we went around to all the bases there, doing the, uh, all the logistics um, that goes along with that. So I, I think day to day was probably, um, I mean, obviously it's a similar schedule, but it's just all the little issues you run into along the way during the missions. Um, for us, like loads falling off in the middle of the desert, um, taking paths through these little Afghani towns where our trucks can barely fit on the road next to the river. Um, but I think the biggest thing there for me to get over those little humps throughout the deployment was just the guys around me, just the everyone. I mean, from from my officer down to all the Lance Corporals and Privates and PFCs that were with us. Yeah. Um, just being with them, uh, you know, we were all just mission driven. I yeah. just think that's... You, you ask a hundred veterans, uh, you ask a thousand veterans, you know, what's the one thing you miss the most about the military? 999 of them are going to say camaraderie Absolutely. and the other one's not going to, didn't understand the question. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what prompted your transition out then? Yeah, so uh, a lot of it had to do with I'd kind of accomplished what I wanted to accomplish in the military. Um, I wanted to wanted to travel. I wanted to deploy and, and actually serve, and um, I had done that. I, I was stationed in Okinawa for two years. I, I went to Thailand. I, I did the Afghanistan deployment. Um, not that I, I – obviously, you can get promoted through the ranks, but I felt like there was, there was something more out there that I could do outside kind of the bureaucratic system of the military. Not that I didn't like it, it's very efficient, I loved it. But for me, I, I kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit and I, I wanted to do something on my own. So I figured I'd get out, go back to school and uh, looking to start a business. Um, yeah? Yeah, I wanted to, that was the goal. That was the goal. That was the goal, but then I got out, uh, I finished school, um, I got my bachelor's degree in 2015, kind of bounced around to a couple jobs. Um, and then I actually landed in the current role where I'm at now as the VA specialist uh, at the school I go to. Indiana yeah, you're certified official, right? Absolutely. And it's Indiana Tech? Indiana Tech, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, and you're, you're getting your MBA there. I am, yes. Uh, did you, so did you know just, just shy of 50%, I think it's 49 point, I don't know the decimal, um, percent of World War II veterans came back and started their own business. It's unbelievable, yeah. yeah. Um, and we are, you know, the current, current conflict veterans are a far cry from that number, but veteran entrepreneurship is, is on the rise. Yeah. Um, do you, have you given up on those aspirations or? No, absolutely not. Okay. Um, for me, I've maybe not so much gone, I, I was originally envisioning, um, I, I was in the automotive growing up, so maybe starting an automotive shop or something like that. Um, but with all the connections that I've had with the SVA in my current role, I'm actually trying to develop, after I finish my MBA, um, a nonprofit to help veterans. Um, yeah. So I've seen some things like guitars for vets. Um, I've recently started uh, learning guitar and doing stuff like that. So okay. maybe get involved with stuff like that. Um, and I've had a lot of connections here that uh, people back home were all really close. And so we're thinking about doing some stuff together. So I think for me, I haven't given up on it, but I've kind of changed direction of what I want to do with it. Sure. I, I want to support the veterans more. And it's just been something that 
I, I think it goes back to that camaraderie again. You yeah. get around the veterans and exactly. you're just, hey, what's yeah. up, brother? How are you, sister, you know, whatever. Yeah, nonprofit work is still entrepreneurship. Absolutely. You still need a business model. You yeah. still need income. You know, like it's, it's the mission's a little different and really it's not even different. You're, the way you do your taxes is different. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, so um, tell us about, so uh, during your time on campus at Indiana Tech, um, uh, tell me about sort of one of the bigger accomplishments you've seen from your office uh, as, it, as it pertains to dealing with the student veteran population. Yeah, so for me, uh, I actually just came in last December with them and the person who was in that position previously had actually started an SVA chapter. Um, but it kind of fell off, there was no accountability, he was supposed to be advisor for it, but there was nothing there. Um, and he maybe had some personal problems or something like that, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, not here to speak about sure. that. Um, so I came in and we, I already knew we had a chapter, so really for me it was just kind of reinvigorating that. Um, my, my duty as a certifying official is pretty straightforward, so I have a lot of extra time to kind of put towards doing activities for the vets that are on our campuses. Um, so I decided to start the chapter back up again. Um, so I think it was around January or February last year, we opened it up again. Uh, I sent a message out to everybody on our listserv. We had uh, 10 uh, various Navy, Marines, Army came and uh, were interested in it. So we got together and they were excited. I think the camaraderie kind of came back into it and uh, we decided to uh, hold a car show to raise money for uh, a local organization. And so we held a car show Got a bunch of good feedback, so next year, this, or this upcoming year, um, we're actually gonna start a committee and we have some people that wanna get involved on it with uh, a lot of the car uh, clubs around town, and we're gonna have them kinda get involved. And our main focus, or at least my main focus um, with the group, we want to be connected with the community, and especially, the, obviously, the veteran community. Um, we actually have a nonprofit uh, that is the Warrior Motorcycle Club. And they do a lot of stuff in Indiana as far as uh, supporting veterans. So we'd like to get with them. I have another buddy. They do a 22K hike for PTSD awareness. So just connecting with them and kind of raising awareness within the community, um, I think has been a huge accomplishment for us, just kind of making those connections and expanding that network. Yeah. So tell us about it. one thing that a lot of veteran, a lot of SVA chapters um, can uh, one thing I've heard from a lot of SVA chapters is the challenge of getting people involved. Uh, give us a best practice, maybe an outreach, and then maybe, uh, well, let's start, with, what are some of the challenges that you have on your campus on, on getting? Yeah I, yeah, I think it's the same, and I've heard it from everybody. It's just, I think just being a volunteer kind of club, um, it's hard to get people to commit their schedules, especially with the demographic, I feel getting out, a lot of us have families, a lot of us have a lot of other stuff going on just besides school. Yeah. So to commit to something like that, um, it, it's tough. Um, now for our campus specifically as well, we have 13 campuses throughout the Midwest. So at our main campus, we really only have about 50 student veterans. So getting 10 of them to show up that first year was, was amazing. Um, and obviously we're, we're hoping for more growth in the future, but yeah. I think you know, the family life and all that, plus um, just the, the geographic area that we have to work with and try to get people involved. So that's a big challenge. Um, we're working right now. Uh, I've tried to integrate and get a, a Hangouts group chat or something where, at least technologically, I can reach out to everybody that's within the school system, let them know, hey, we're doing some good things here. 
you know, if you're in town or you're available for some of our events, come and help. I mean, you don't have to be a member of the group. You know, we just, camaraderie, we just want to get together and help each other out and just raise awareness. Yeah. So, so are you using, like, social media or anything like that to... Yeah, to, absolutely. Yeah? What are you using? Uh, we use Facebook um, primarily. Um, not too big on the Twitter right now. Yeah. Uh, LinkedIn. Facebook uh, offers a Facebook group, exactly. which I think is, is so handy on stuff like that. Yeah. Um, What's, a, what's another best practice you've seen on, on getting um, both creating awareness that your group exists and then also getting people interested in, um, you know, in, in past what, you, what you've just mentioned? Yeah, for us, uh, one of the things that, that we've tried to do is um, connect with the other student organizations on our campus. Yeah, that's huge. Um, I mean, they're not veterans, but we're, we want them to be aware. And if we can expand our network, if we can help them in any way, I mean, it's a benefit to both of us. I mean, we're all there learning and growing together, um, just being in the higher, higher ed, uh, education. So um, getting together with those people, and then again, like I said, reaching out to the community leaders and kind of talking to them and people that are trying to make a difference within the community. Um, also, Connecting with the other schools, that's been huge for me here. I've met, yeah. um, we have IPFW and Ivy Tech in Fort Wayne um, are the other two big campuses that have chapters. And so connecting with them and kind of sharing ideas and being able to collaborate and get together and do stuff like that is more minds, more power. So, yeah. yeah, that's something that, um, uh, you know, in D.C. we had American Georgetown uh, Catholics right there, George Washington, these huge campuses, right? Yeah. And that's something that we had such the biggest challenge on was trying. And we knew we, we, we knew we would benefit all of us if we collaborated. Yeah. We just never, <laughs> never yeah. did. Yeah. It was always the we should and never we did yeah. um, in the end. So yeah, collaborating with other campuses is huge. And I'm sure, um, I'm sure there's people uh, listening that are nodding or, or Googling other campuses <laughs> in their area. Absolutely, yeah. 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 Um, to, what's, it, what's a skill set or an experience you had in the military that's contributing to your success today? Uh, I would say communication. Um, so whether it be email, face-to-face, -face, um, just having the confidence to, to go up to somebody and start a conversation. Um, so I, I think that confidence that I got from just how you have to uphold yourself to the standards and just kind of taking that forward with me and I guess you could say it's more of the swagger that you kind of have and, and just have the passion to go for it. Yeah. Is it, um, how many NatCons have you been to? This is actually my first this one. This is your first one? Yeah. So, um, you know, as we're recording this, this is middle of day two. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, for anybody that's listening that has interest in NatCon or has never heard of it, or um, so far, what have you seen as the, the, the biggest pull or benefit that you see for, for first-timers like yourself? Uh, yeah, I would say networking. Um, just the amount of schools that are here, I mean, we can reach out, like we said, with the collaboration. Um, just sitting down and talking to other people and seeing what their issues are. It, even in some of the breakout sessions, you sit down and there's a lot of good information there. Um, and it's, it's different perspectives, too. So I, I think sometimes, you know, you get focused on we got to do this, we got to do it this way, this is how we're going to do it, but you don't think of some of the other outside factors. And uh, so a lot of the breakout sessions I've been to have been really good. Um, and just the, the experience being down here in San Antonio, um, I've been able to connect and network with other veterans outside of the hotel, kind of explore the area. Um, so 
just kind of relaxing and having some fun too yeah. and just enjoying that. It's kind of bringing in the historical context, like going to the Alamo was great. I've heard about it, never seen it, and, yeah. and then I went there. So. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. it's the experience overall. Yeah. Aaron, thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure talking to you, and um, you know, thank you for your service to our country, and, and then, of course, your continued service to veterans as you, as you serve them on your campus. Absolutely, thank you. Of course. So we start every interview with the same question um, on, your, on why you decided to join the military, because that's the one thing as veterans that we all have in common. So bring us back to that decision for you. Sure, so I graduated high school in the height of the recession in 2008, um, but I still chose to go to college for a year first, and I went to college on scholarships and loans, and uh, towards the end of my freshman year, I realized I wouldn't be able to get another scholarship for my sophomore year, and um, I didn't want to take any more loans out, and so I had the option to either go to a state school, back to my state, and uh, hopefully it would be cheaper there, or I started looking into the military. And so what I tell people from that is that I, like financial reasons are what made me consider the military as an option, but by no means did I join the Marine Corps for the money. <laughs> right. Because like that would be like the worst like reason to join. But uh, so no, I definitely, I chose the Marine Corps, like that branch just because they're the, the best. You know, the name of the show is Born the Battle, and we understand not every veteran sees literal combat, but yeah. you know, we, there's still sacrifices and challenges that are, that are made inside the military. Um, tell us about an experience that you had, some difficulty and uh, adversity that you, that you faced and how you dealt with it. Okay, so uh, when I first got in the Marine Corps, I was still in MOS school or my job training down in Mississippi, and I'm originally from Connecticut, you know, New York area. And uh, when I was down there, I was like 19 years old, like fresh, brand new in my Marine Corps career. And I found out that my dad had gotten killed in a car accident. And so that really, you know, threw off my momentum, um, you know, because when you're just starting, you're really like hyped and you're really motivated. But that really definitely set me back. Um, so, you know, when things like that happen, you go on emergency leave and then you come back and you just have to like, um, assimilate again, like just jump back right into it. And um, that was that was really hard for me, but I was able to do it. And um, coming back into training after that, you know, I realized that the Marine Corps, it, it's, it's, it's a great thing and it's a bad thing when like trauma happens like that because, you know, it's a bad thing because you have to just continue on. Like you have to figure out how to way to separate that trauma with, you know, your responsibility and your duty to serve. And at the same time, it's a good thing because you are forced to, to continue on. So it's, I mean, for the same reason, it's, it's hard and it's, it's good for you. And so I think really early on in my Marine Corps career, uh, I was able to like really distinguish like why I was there and like what I wanted out of the Marine Corps. And uh, luckily for me, my last conversation with my dad was telling him that I had just got orders to Japan. So. I was able to like take that last conversation and really like sit on it and be like, okay, you know what? I chose, I, you know, I, I chose to come into this branch because I wanted 
uh, a major lifestyle change. Uh, you know, that was the last thing I told my dad that I was about to get sent to the other side of the world. So I'm just going to embrace this and go like full throttle. And, uh, you know, and after Japan, I ended up going embassy duty to stay abroad. And, you know, now I'm in school looking like doing a degree. So hopefully I can go back to the State Department. And so, you know, it's just been like full momentum ever since. But um, that was definitely the hardest. That was the hardest uh, challenge I faced in the Marine Corps. And it was really early on. Yeah. So it's, it sounds like you and I actually have uh, very similar careers. You said you went to MOS school in Mississippi. Yes. Was that down in, in Meridian? Yes, it was. Are you a 6672 aviation supply specialist? 6046 aviation maintenance admin. Got you. Yes. Um, and then after my first 12 months, I also went uh, MSG duty. Really? Which, where, where were you posted? I was in Colombo, Sri Lanka, Kampala, Uganda, and then Bridgetown, Barbados. Nice. That's a yeah. good set. I, I think so, too. I that had a great a, time. That is, there's no, like, there's no, um, like, those are all places no one would think about going. Oh, yeah. And that's great. Yeah. Um, I've, I spent a long weekend on the southern shore of Sri Lanka, and it is beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. That, yeah. that had to be pretty cool. It was, it was awesome. And nobody really thinks about Sri Lanka like that, yeah. but I tell everybody, go if you can. Like, yeah. Absolutely. I left the frigid tundra of Moscow, Russia. Oh, my God. And I forgot what it was like to be in warm weather. And so I didn't pack flip-flops. Like, oh I'm God. walking the beach in, like, my lugs, you know? Like, yeah. I, because I, 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 I totally forgot, like, what it meant to be in, yeah. like, in warm climate like that. But absolutely wonderful. Um, what prompted your transition out then of the military? So, I mean, embassy duty definitely set me up. Yeah. And I actually, I, I want to, this is, like, a little bit of a tangent, but I actually just met the commandant recently at, at a Marine Corps ball uh, on the Intrepid in New York. And you want to pick up that name you just dropped on the floor? The commandant? Yeah. No, so, no, so, I mean, I met him, I had to go up to him, and I was like, you know, happy birthday, sir. And he was immediately like, oh, so you're a Marine. Uh, like, why did you get out? You know, what were you doing in the Marine Corps? Why did you choose to get out? And I told him I was MSG, and, and he was like, oh, like, and he was basically trying to test retention rate, and, like, MSG has a really high, um, you know, people, like, get out after it's, MSG. It's one of the worst retention rates in the Marine Corps. Oh, yeah. And yep. and so he was trying to figure out why how, why did he lose his investment on me is, is exactly yep. how he put it. And it's a good question because he's running a business. But honestly, for me, I only had planned on going in the Marine Corps for four years. And I loved it. I absolutely loved my time in. I did a little under six. But with embassy duty, like, you just... It's an independent duty. So it's, it's different than the Fleet Marine Corps and... and I got a lot of exposure. I met a lot of great people, and and honestly, like after that, I was I wanted I wanted to do yeah. that job. I wanted to go foreign service. So. And you were exposed to a you're exposed to a bunch of different lines of work that you probably wouldn't have considered before the military. Oh yeah, and I, I know, didn't know that whole world. Yeah. I didn't know about that whole world. So yeah. you're the chapter leader. Yes. Which university are you at again? Manhattan College in the Bronx. What prompted you to want to be the chapter leader? Like, why did you want that role? Uh, okay, so when I started at Manhattan College in the fall of 2015, I had been out of the Marine Corps for, like, three months. And when I got there, they were just starting to kind of, like, bring together their student veterans there. So it was a very brand-new community, and there wasn't a lot of structure with it. There wasn't a lot of, like, visibility on campus with it. So when I got there, I immediately saw like all this potential and I was like okay I need to like get my hands into this because I, I wanted to like help build that up so I mean just as soon as I got there I saw like how in the new stages they were and I just started you know voicing my opinion a little bit more and then after like a couple months I became the secretary and then after a year I was president and I've been 
I'm about to turn over the reins uh, when this next semester starts. So. Okay. So before we started, we were reviewing the questions and you said that uh, the biggest accomplishment and the biggest challenge you've had as chapter leader, chapter president, um, is sort of the same story. So yeah. um, I won't ask you both questions, I'll just have you tell us uh, what that story is and if you could just highlight uh, where the challenges were and then uh, what, the, what the accomplishment really was. Right. Yeah. So I mean, really, the, the biggest challenge ended up being our greatest accomplishment just because we there was no, like, no organization when we started. So, um, or when I started at least, there, there was no organization. And so building us up was, of course, a challenge. Um, it, was a, it was a fun challenge, and obviously we were able to build ourselves up exactly how we wanted to be seen. Um, so, you know, that, that there's a benefit in that. Um, and it ends up being our greatest accomplishment because, you know, when I started, we had not even 40 student veterans on campus, and now we have... Oh, you know, over a hundred, and we're still growing, and that's at a four thousand uh, student body population. So that's a that's a pretty high percentage for how big our school is. Um, and you know, and even then, so we started out as a club, and we fell under student engagement, and we had student engagement funding only, and we had the rules of a club organization. And I really pushed for us to kind of rebrand uh, when I became president because you know this is not a hobby for us. Like we're not this is not like a military hobby, like we served, like we're just, we're very, we have very unique stories, we have very unique experiences, and I didn't want it to be seen as just like the Frisbee club, like, you know, no offense. <laughs> no offense to the Frisbee club, though. Yeah. yeah, but like, it's it's not the same thing, so, you know, like, rebranding ourselves, uh, I, I kind of got pushed back, because there was, at first, there was kind of like, well, what, why, what's, like, what's the big deal, but like, I, you know, pushing for that, just saying, you know, you know we're an organization, uh, you know, we deserve a little bit more of a budget, uh, you know, we deserve a little bit more, you know, support and we should, you know, have more visibility on us. And eventually we were able to get, secure a room on campus, which we didn't have before, but we recently did like this past semester. Mm -hmm. yeah. And hire a grad assistant. So, I mean, and honestly, the school has just been continuing to get more and more supportive. Like they just keep asking like, what else can we do at this point? So the more that we give back to campus, the more that they've been reaching back out to us. And so our greatest challenge ended up being like our greatest accomplishment yeah. in the same breath. So I like that. What, so, um, what, have you, what have you seen as a best practice or what just plain works in um, getting student veterans to participate and to engage with the, with the club? Uh, well, so for one, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the room has been great because you see a lot of student veterans coming out who weren't uh, originally involved as much, but now they just have a space to go to just to hang out, and you've been seeing a lot more guys come out. But um, other than that, I think we have this really, we have a really good um, lecture series that we've been doing, and basically our idea is that there's over 100 of us. We have over 100 different unique stories, like very unique experiences to share. And so that's our greatest asset to the campus and to the college. Like that's the way we can give back and that's like the education we can share with everybody. And I always try to like promote, you know, this is a give and take like learning experience here. Like just as we have our stories, you know, the students do as well. So it's kind of like when we do these lecture series, we try to break it up into different topics and different like themes. And so we've done, um, you know, war and peace panel and we paired up with the peace studies department and we had combat vets on the panel discussing how they implemented peace in no war zone and you know that was a very engaging conversation uh, for both sides of that um, and then we had a women's panel and so we had a women's veteran panel and so we kind of just broke down stereotypes and you know we teamed up with the women's studies department for that 
Uh, we're planning on doing an uh, engineering panel uh, next semester. We did a minority panel last semester. Uh, we want to do something like maybe post 9-11 vets and Vietnam vets, like, you know, comparing, contrast, like, questions and answers. Um, so we, we're just trying to engage, like, the student body in different themes and um, just sharing our experiences any way we can. And, and that way we can kind of start a conversation and, like, you know, break down any stereotypes or any kind of ideas and um, misconceptions, misconceptions they might have about the military and about veterans already. So yeah. it's been great. I like that. Mm -hmm. What's it, Tell me, um, what's a skill set or experience that you got in the military that's contributing to your success today? <sighs> well, I am a female Marine. I'm very proud, you know, four battalion bred. But uh, <laughs> uh, no, and so I, as a female in the Marine Corps, I know that a lot of people or a lot of civilians think that, you know, oh, it must have been so hard and it must have been so like weird and you know and it wasn't like I honestly think like the, the fact that I was I, the minority gender in my branch while I served I think that forced me to find like new creative ways to lead and to be more um uh to just to just be more like um, cognizant of my interpersonal and intrapersonal skills and and because you know no matter like what I was wearing, like I'm in uniform, my hair is slicked back, and I have, you know, I'm a sergeant in the Marine Corps, you know, the guys aren't necessarily still gonna look at me as a sergeant first, they're still gonna see me as a female first, and whatever uh, preconceptions they have about that is what they're gonna be, you know, thinking. And there's stereotypes, so I had to be aware of that, and, um, you know, after a couple of weeks, that always goes away, but at first, there's a, it's always how it is, and so I had to be really aware of that, and. Um, I got really creative and very aware of like of how I was presenting myself and you know adapting to each different um, sport I had and <clears throat> that skill definitely has uh, been very helpful even after the Marine Corps and so I always say to people like it's not in like I was successful in the Marine Corps not in spite of being a female it's because I was a female like I was I was forced to like up my game in a sense and that's definitely uh, strengthened me since I've been out as well. Yeah, very cool. Kirsten, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. And thank you for your service to our country and thank your continued you. service to our veterans as, as you lead your chapter up there in, in, in the Bronx. That's right. Yes. There are nearly 2 million women veterans who served and deserve the best care anywhere. VA is dedicated to meeting the unique needs of all women veterans. VA offers comprehensive primary care and women's health specialty care. Women veterans who are interested in receiving care at VA should call the Women Veterans Call Center at 855-VA-WOMEN or contact the nearest VA Medical Center and ask for the Women Veterans Program Manager. Visit www.va.gov slash womenvet. Again, we will be talking to more Student Veteran of the Year finalists over the next couple of days and then the, the person that won Student Veteran of the Year on Friday. Today's Medal of Honor citation reading is for John Johnson. Awarded during the Civil War, he was a private in Company D, 2nd Wisconsin Infantry. This event took place at Fredericksburg, Virginia on 13 December 1862. His citation reads, Conspicuous gallantry in battle in which he was severely wounded. While serving as cannoneer, he manned the position of fallen gunners. We honor his service. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We'll be right back at it tomorrow. 
no matter where you listen to this, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, somewhere else, please take the time to give us a rating and review. It'll help us grow to a larger audience and ensure that more people hear from these veterans. I'm Timothy Lawson, signing off.